From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, today we are excited to have Reverend C.J. Rhodes with us. He's a pastor of the historic Mount Helm Baptist Church, and we'll talk with him about what it means to be a pastor and to lead a congregation. We'll also discuss Christmas and how people of different religious faiths observe this time of year. We love to hear from you today, listeners. This question of the day, are you spiritual or religious? And what's the difference? And do you believe in prayer works? And I'd like to hear some examples as well. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING, or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be back right after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Happy Monday. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Tell you what, i got a great show today, and of course, you know, it's the holiday season. Everybody's kind of getting ramped up, going 110 miles an hour, doing all their shopping, trying to get ready. And I tell you what, I think we all just, after this year, I think we kind of need to take a pause and reflect and kind of look back at what this year has brought us and where we're going to go next year and talk a little bit about faith. And I couldn't think of a better person to come do that with me today than Reverend C.J. Rhodes. And you might remember the Reverend Rhodes was on with us a few months ago and fantastic guest. And of course, he's a, a leader in this community and an absolutely great guy. And of course, he's in the studio. And of course, he's also he helms the historic Mount Helm Baptist Church as well. So we'll talk to him. Also, too, we do have a fantastic question of the day. And I put up on social media. This one is this one. I said, do you believe that prayer works? And give me some examples. And we have gotten some of the most touching, heartfelt answers just within the last 20 minutes on Facebook and on Twitter. Of course, you can find me. Just type in Marshall Ramsey. I'm very easy to find. And I think we're going to get some great calls on that as well. And to call us, you give us a call at 877-MPB-RING, or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. Very, very busy weekend, of course, as you know. It now feels Christmassy outside after being... 40 on Friday, 80 on Saturday, 35 on Sunday. The bipolar vortex came through. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, my gosh. So now you're freezing like me. I'm not alone. I know. It doesn't happen often, but today, yes, I do have cold feet. So, (laughs) And it's not because I'm nervous about the show. Uh, No, it is quite chilly. And it was so weird. Of course, you're doing stand-up comedy every Mm -hmm. weekend. I'm out signing books every weekend for the last two months. Uh, I've been going 100 miles an hour. So on Saturday... I sat there in my little Christmas sweater sweating, you know, signing books. And then the next day I'm sitting there freezing. Yeah. My my granny calls this pneumonia weather. Exactly. It's definitely (laughs) cold and flu season. There's that's probably right there. Your granny calling to tell us. But I tell you what it. um, Yeah, it was pretty stout in the wind. On now, Saturday. see, that's what makes it worse. I mean, yeah. you and know, if if the the winds were steel, we would be fine. But the wind just makes it makes you want to walk backwards. That's what, what my community are you asleep? Are you a sleep through a storm kind of person? Or are you one of those kind of people lay there with your eyes open? Oh no, I sleep through the storm. I do too, but mm-hmm. I did not sleep because it blew my gas grill over, and it sounded like the apocalypse outside. Oh. Me. So it woke me up <laughs> when this wind's going on. And I went outside, and literally within five minutes, you could feel it drop twenty degrees. It was amazing, but I mean, it was it was it's crazy. Um, so yes, we are dealing with some Christmas weather now, and that's a good thing. Today is Electoral College Day. I guess the bowl game. We'll see who wins. Um, I think we pretty much know who's going to win on uh, that yeah, one. So. I was about to say, is there a, is it a toss up? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> Could ask the Russians. They seem to have some knowledge on this sort of thing, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It'll be fun. We'll see. Of course. Um, at least I know what my cartoon is going to be about tomorrow. Yeah. So, so that's easy enough to say the least. But how about those cowboys? Can we, can we get yeah. to that really quickly? Yes. Yeah, yay Dak. And you know what I really like about it? Because all these people are like, bench Dak, put Romo back in. You know, right. you're hearing that over and over and over. And guess what? He went out there and played just a fantastic game. One of the highest percentages of pass completed for anybody who's thrown over 30 passes in league history. I think it was the second highest. Yeah, so. it was exciting. But still, I see people saying the Patriots and the Giants are going to the Super Bowl. So they don't believe in the Cowboys. They don't, but they should. Yeah. I believe in Dak. Do you? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? He's given us every reason to believe. 
Yeah. And he's given our kids a really good role model, too. Absolutely. Oh, to be honest with you. So hard work, you know, belief. Oh, wow. That's so old school, but it seems to work. I say the least. I did on Friday get to see the Star Wars movie. How was it? It was really good. It really was. Now, you got to understand, this is my history with Star Wars. Nine years old, Canton Corners Theater, married to Georgia, sitting there watching the Star Destroyer fly across the screen going, whoa. And then I watched it seven more times. So I love me some Star Wars. So I, was, I had pretty high expectations coming into it. Um, it was a little slow in the first couple acts. The third act, 110 miles an hour. And the last five minutes, folks, let me just put this way. Darth Vader has verified every one of my childhood nightmares. <laughs> he is back. He's no longer the emo, whiny teenager that he was in some of the prequels. He is back. Very scary. And I thought the pacing was very good on it. You could tell the rewrites. They, they got it right. Um, but it made you want to see the fourth movie again because it led right up into it. And so it really did support it. Good movie. Made $150 million over the weekend. So I guess wow. all the calls of boycotts of it and everything didn't hurt it too bad. Oh, I didn't know that it was gonna. there were calls for boycott. What happened? Uh, there were some folks. Um, I don't want to give them any credit, to be honest with you, or give, oh, okay. them, give them the thing. But they just they were mad about the casting and so forth because um, I guess they were mad that everybody didn't look just like me in the casting. Mm. And so they said they were going to boycott it. And guess what? It didn't seem to help. It's really, so interesting to me, boycotting a, a make-believe movie because of the characters. I know. It's, that alien doesn't look like me. It just doesn't yeah. make sense. Well, I don't, you know, have, there's, there's yeah, trouble if it did look like me. You know, I don't really want to look like somebody has tentacles coming out of my nose. <laughs> there's been some controversy around black versus white Santa Clauses, too, which I just think is interesting again. It's like, what does it matter? Yeah, it's I, not a real person. I have been trying for... <laughs> what? 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 Yeah, he's what? not real. No, no, no. La, 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 la. You are not going to burst this bubble for me. I sit up every... I'm like Linus with a great pumpkin. I sit up every Christmas Eve looking for the big guy to come down the chimney. Now, of course, I'm going to have a shotgun if anybody comes down my chimney. It's now, a you know, that difference. would be an interesting debate. Uh, I was at Crackle Barrel yesterday, and they had a, a bin for kids to put in letters to Santa. And yeah. it was interesting because I'm thinking, well, what if they don't get these gifts? Are they going to be angry with Santa? I don't know. Uh, you know what we tell my two older is, kids? Huh? So they don't blow it for my youngest one what? if you don't believe you don't receive oh yeah that's well that's a, it seems to work pretty biblical, well that's a biblical theme <laughs> I, I think so yeah so they seem to believe that as well so there you go yeah so ah so but you were in nashville over the weekend doing a little yes, stand up at the uh, historic zanies comedy club in nashville tennessee it was great we had four shows two friday two saturday it was packed that's um, the one right downtown isn't it yes. yeah, yeah yeah that's a really nice yeah. venue very intimate i mean like the people um below me could touch my feet that's how close we were but it was intimate the, the more intimate the better so uh it was it was a great experience there okay. were pictures of comedy legends all over the walls in there so is your picture up there now not yet not uh, yet ricky smiley's was there from when he was 19 years old and i mean it was just amazing to be in in that presence yeah well mm -hmm. just just think you're going to come back in about 30 years and your picture is going to be there and you're going to go yeah look how young i looked oh yeah oh yeah hopefully it won't take that long we'll see okay i believe in i believe in you all right <laughs> um well, you know what? I guess Christmas is coming up Sunday. What gift do you want to get? What's What are you looking for this year? Well, I need some um, Apple gift cards because I want to get a MacBook, and I don't want to pay for it out of my pocket. So that's all I'm asking for. I don't want any thoughtful gifts. You know, don't try to be all sentimental. Just give me the Apple gift cards and, and help me get that MacBook. That's so, what I want. So you're not offended if you get gift cards? No, I love I love me some gift cards. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends. Like if Reverend Rhodes, I know his wife, if he just got her a bunch of gift oh, cards, no I don't doubt. think she would be too happy about that <laughs> i mean so it depends friends of course but i think maybe spouses and lovers and whatever friends should maybe get something a little more well thought out of oh man a gift card and a gift bag that's nothing says more <laughs> personal than that you know right and it's so funny my wife's like i don't want your stuff in a gift bag i want you to wrap it i'm like that's cruel because you got to see how i wrap things it's pretty pretty awkward to say the least i don't know i'm sitting there looking and thinking about what i want i'm not really sure i want a lot of stuff you know, I've got a lot of stuff already. I don't need more stuff, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, yeah. Somebody wrote on their Facebook page, one of my friends, I just want my kids to love me and know how much I love them. And I wrote under it and said, and some good socks. Because mm -hmm. I could use some socks. That'd be a good <laughs> thing. So on that. But I don't know. I remember growing up, my dad would always kind of get quiet during Christmas. You know, he was a big Thanksgiving guy. He loved Thanksgiving. But Christmas, he was always quiet about it. And I kind of get that now. Because you build yeah. up to it. You work and work and work and work. And then all of a sudden, all the stuff's torn up and there's paper everywhere. And you're just kind of sitting around going, okay, now what? You know, it's almost kind of a... Uh, right. So 
That's why I'm very glad to have in the studio somebody who can help me sort all this out. Uh, fantastic guy. Reverend C.J. Rhodes is with us. Reverend, it's good to see you. Yeah, same here. And glad you've got to be all back. your Christmas shopping done, of course. Not really. I'm not much of a Christmas guy, and uh, sometimes I'll wait to the last minute. I know that sounds very ironic, being a preacher and all. But... That does sound a little ironic, <laughs> yes. So you get everybody little shot glasses and ashtrays you get at the convenience store on Christmas Eve, yes. Well, you know, it's just, one, um, generally my love language is not gift-giving, yes. and so it's hard to figure out what exactly to get people. And and I don't usually like to get a lot of stuff. Yes. Um, and so it takes some time for me to really think about what to get, what not to get. And like you, I don't like wrapping gifts. So if I can go to the department store uh, gift wrapping area and pay like $5 for them to do it, go ahead and do it. And you know, it's so (laughs) bloody obvious that I've done that. Right, Yeah, because it's like, wow, it's actually matches. I I heard of, just to kind of get off topic for two seconds, I heard of a college kid who came home from college and that is charging all the neighbors $10 an hour to wrap their gifts. Wow. I thought, that's brilliant. That is. Because then you know it's a steal, too. So you got a good idea what all the neighbors are getting done. I, you don't have to answer to that okay. one, so on that one, because that's a little bit out of your ballpark. Uh, congratulations on how many years now have you been a pastor? Been a pastor since 2010. Yeah. I've been in ministry since 2000, and so um, altogether 16 years, and then about six years in, in the pastoral ministry. So you're you're broken in now, right? Hopefully, you know. Usually, um, the the stats say that it takes about 3.6 years for a pastor to really be embraced by a congregation. I think right. we're at that point now where, um, you know, you can really, really say I'm the, I'm a pastor. They know you, you know them yeah. and so forth. I mean, talk about that a little bit. Cause I, I know that when I moved to this community, which was 20 years ago mm-hmm. last week, uh, it took me a while to get the nuance of being a good cartoonist here because mm-hmm. I really felt like I needed to know the people when you come in as a pastor, I mean, you're kind of looking at all these fresh faces and trying to figure out, okay, what's going on in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's gonna yeah, be tough. It, it is. And I think, I think usually going in, both the pastor and the people have a lot of unspoken expectations. Right. And it's through the relationships that you find out kind of where, where, where both, um, find common common ground. Um, someone said something some time ago that was very powerful, that trust is the currency of relationships. And yes. so it takes a while for that trust factor to be there, for the people to trust the pastor, for the pastor to trust the people. And when that happens, a lot of the a lot of the work and the in the decisions that are made in a church become a little more effortless. Now, as time goes on, you hit other milestones. So, you know, once you get beyond five years, you kind of move into that, that sweet spot. But then by the seventh to 10th year, you got to do it all over again because, you know, oftentimes there are a new cast of characters, as it were. But one of the things I say to a lot of young preachers in particular is that pastoral ministry is not just going in and saying things and expecting those things to to happen. It requires finesse. It requires attention to relationships and ultimately um, working on people is not the same thing as working on a car or a computer. Right. And, and so a lot of people need to understand that relational uh, dynamic to pastoral uh, leadership. I mean, I think not only did you just give a great blueprint on how to be a pastor. I think you also gave a great blueprint on how to be a spouse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, yeah. Because in many ways, uh, pastoral ministry is a lot like right. marriage. You know, you, you meet, there's that instant or, or progressive connection that happens. You get married, um, probably around the wedding planning through uh, post honeymoon, you begin to recognize all the things that you don't agree on. And then you got to work for the first few years to figure out how to make sense of the fact that the two of you are very, very different in ways that you didn't recognize before. And then you finally get to a certain moment where you say, ah, now this finally feels like we're walking in the same place. And so what happens usually in marriage, in in ministry is that people don't talk about the necessity for how to move together in a way that overcomes the issues. And so sadly, what happens in today's culture is that because we're not prepared for those kinds of things, it's easy to give up and to be hopeless. So people, you know, get divorced within the first year or like some of our celebrities in the first seven or 70 days, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because, Oh, no one told me it's going to take all of this. Yeah. Relationships take time they take effort and it requires a certain kind of sensitivity, kind of emotional intelligence um, that we often don't talk about. 
Definitely, definitely. Uh, talk a little bit about how, you know, I mean, you're held accountable, obviously. That's a big sure. part of what you do. How are you held accountable? Well, there are a number of ways, and and I think that's a good question. Um, be, beyond just sort of answering it for myself, you know, one of the one of the issues is that in pastoral ministry, in in church ministry generally, depending on what church tradition you're in, the accountability system is going to look different. Sure. And so, for a lot of Baptist churches, um, our primary governance structure is the local congregation, right. right? So there's not a bishop or a pope beyond us. And so for me personally, I believe in accountability in a number of ways. One, being accountable to to my family, uh, being accountable to uh, other pastors and preachers who I have invited into my life to to provide some some kind of covering, as we would say, and then being accountable to the the felt and spiritual needs of the people. And, and and lastly, but not least of all, is recognizing that as a calling, um, I'm accountable most importantly to God. And right. so how I treat the people, how I treat my wife, how I treat my kids, all that goes back to how I envision uh, God's response to the way I lead. Um, at the end, I'm going to be held accountable for the way I lead the flock of God. I'm going to be accountable how I am a husband and a father. And so I think one of the things that is an issue with a lot of churches and pastors, not everyone, but of course, in, in certain uh, issues when we've seen the lack of accountability that leads to scandal, is that I think oftentimes there's a lack of a sense of God's holiness, right? Right. That at some point, God is a God of justice and, and you know, you're going to reap what you sow. So, you know, I, I hold that very seriously. Right. Definitely. Well, I tell you what, we'll continue this discussion because it's going great so far. We are talking with the very talented and, of course, um, fun to talk to Reverend C.J. Rhodes. And we're going to continue just a minute as well. And we do have a question of the day. Do you believe that prayer works? And what are some examples that you can share with us? That's 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You can give us a call. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I guess you could say this is our holiday edition because we are getting that time of year, which is kind of exciting for me. I do love this time of year as well. Great guest is in the studio, the Reverend C.J. Rhodes, and we're talking a little bit about his job as a pastor, and we're going to talk a little bit about the season. And, of course, you can give us a call because talk to him, or I tell you what, we have a great question of the day for you as well. Do you believe that prayer works? What are some examples you can share? You can call us at 877-MPB-RING, or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. I love this recent status you had. The rhythm of pastoral life is unpredictable like jazz. Within the last couple of hours, I received news that a faithful member transitioned from this life, then received news that a family will not be evicted from their home due to some connections I helped make. And I mean, you're literally like the Forrest Gump. Life is like a box of chocolates thing. I mean, you wake up every day and you don't know who or what is going to walk through your door. But I love that comparison to jazz and explain that. Yeah. So um, I'm a bit of an old soul. So Motown and jazz were some of the things to cut my teeth on. And one of the things that I love about jazz is that improvisational piece. Right. Um, one one jazz artist said you have to know your sheet music. you got to know your instrument, but you also have to announce yourself in the song. Right. And when I think about pastoral ministry, any given day, anything can happen. And 
there are those highs and lows uh, just uh, based off that status. Um, early that morning, received news that someone we had been uh, praying for and, and, and working with had succumbed to, to cancer. And then within about an hour, um, got news that uh, another situation we we're working on had come through. And so just that sense of how do you enter the space to mourn right. and to celebrate someone's life and then in an hour enter another space to celebrate for someone who won't be homeless for Christmas. And that happens all the time. And usually we, you know, as pastors, we're dealing with so many things that we can't really talk about very publicly because right. there's sensitive issues and, you know, there's you know pastoral privilege, but man, you're carrying a lot of stuff and you've just got to know how to flow. And I think if we, and not just for pastors, I think generally we would we would experience less stress and and trauma the more we recognize that life is like jazz, right. and you got to come with it and go with it as it as it flows. Well, let me ask you that: Who pastors you? Wow! So um, I have some some pastor um, friends and colleagues um, uh, in my life, and 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 so they have um, you know they're older, yeah, and that's one of the strengths of uh, uh, being uh, in ministry is, is reaching out to someone who's much right. older. Um, and so there are a number of people that I really uh, turn to um, for broad issues, but also for more specific things. One one person in particular is Dr. Jerry Young, who's the pastor of New Hope Baptist Church uh, in Jackson and also the president of the National Baptist Convention. And there have been numerous times I've just gone to his office and, and just, you know, asked tons of questions and you know, unleashed all kinds of things. And it was great to know that he too, at one point was a young pastor in his twenties and had gone through a lot of the same things and just kind of walked me through it. And then I got some other uh, pastor friends who are closer in age who, who we can share. So I would say that there are sort of, at least in my life, there's sort of horizontal pastoral leadership and then right. there's vertical. So there are p- people who are older than I am. And there are people kind of in my contemporary uh, context. And then there are people I oversee. And so I think everyone in ministry needs to kind of have that 360 degrees of, of pastoral responsibility. Someone that you can look up to, someone you can look across to, and someone that you can look down to, but I don't mean that in a derogatory way. You know, it's kind of funny, and not to get overly religious, although I guess we can here. Technically, (laughs) your hands just made the shape of a cross. Ah, okay. (laughs) That's that's a nice metaphor. That worked very well. That worked very well. (laughs) But, you know, I think you just gave some good advice for people in general. You know, have a core group of people that are very good at what they do. Absolutely. To be your support group. I mean, don't go to Facebook every day and throw out your problems, but have a core group of people that you can trust and you will be the sum of your five closest friends. You know, and and that's that's great that you say that because I think the more people you have in that 360 degrees, the better you are at managing things so that you don't have to go on Facebook or Twitter and rant forever. Right. Um, I cringe sometimes when I see some of my preacher buddies who just go on and I mean, they're just bleeding all over the place. And I say, maybe you ought to take that to the couch. (laughs) Maybe you ought to take that to, to, to not only to the prayer closet, but to sit with someone to talk through those things because, um, dealing with that in, in healthy ways is so important. One of the things we'll be stressing in 2017 is just the importance of mental, emotional health. And that's something that a lot of us don't don't talk a lot about. We're always producing and doing and not really thinking about why we need to slow down sometimes and sit refresh, with someone, the well. refresh the well It's it's hard to fill other people when your well is empty. Yeah. And so that that's so important having those persons around you, keep you accountable so that you're not operating on empty. You said the magic word 2017. And I think if we all get there, I think yeah. a lot of us are going to be <laughs> relieved. And I mean, talk about that. Cause this, it seems like there hasn't been a year that it's been as harsh as 2016 has been maybe since 1968, which Mm. 1968, I think probably looking back until back World War II is one of the toughest years we've had. But this year has been tough. And I don't know whether it's high profile celebrities dying or a lot of people have had a lot of personal toil, you know, feel like sometimes prayers that have Mm. not been answered, which is very tough for you too, I guess, to, to work with people on that. But talk about that year. Is it normal for people to say to blame God when bad things happen in their lives? And how do you get them past that? When, when yeah. Like for me, I lost my dad. Now, I obviously don't blame God for that. I mean, it was he was older and he had Alzheimer's and so forth. Mm-hmm. But it was tough. I mean, we yeah. prayed for him a lot of ways. A lot of those prayers didn't get answered. And that, wow. that, that can be tough to. Wow. To, yeah, I would I would say that we as human beings have stages of grieving. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that we do in those stages of grieving is we try to find 
some sense of meaning, even if that is who do I blame? Right. And it could be we blame God, we blame our spouse, we blame whoever. And and one of the things that we don't tend to think about in a lot of those situations, not necessarily the death of a loved one, but when things go awry in our lives or in our nation, is to start blaming things beyond ourselves and right. not really recognizing what role did I contribute to this. 16 has been a pretty tough year, but I think, and this may sound too rosy, but I think every now and again, we go through transitional periods. Right. And when we go through transitional periods, there are... Uh, these shifts that happen that that seem terrible and tough, uh, but they often and it may not, you know, let, let me be very clear, it may not end in 17. We may be in this for a little while, but on the other side of that, if we trust the process, if we get through all of that, we recognize that it actually can strengthen us. You know, people who live beyond grief or at least live through grief, for instance, testify to a kind of strength they can pull on that they didn't know they had. Um, that they can lean on something beyond themselves in a way that they didn't know they could. And I think one of the things as Americans is that we are so quick to want to push pain and suffering in the corner somewhere and not recognize that in some contexts, pain and suffering can be a minister, that it can minister to us and show us things and teach us things. And the best thing is make sure those are not wasted opportunities. Failure is not final if you continue to learn from it. Right. Uh, pain is not final if you can't, if you don't um, sit in it. At some point, I'll close with this. One of the beautiful things I love about the Psalms is that all throughout those songs of praise are real transparent moments of pain and suffering and questions and doubt. God, where are you? God, why are these people over here doing better than I am? But in that, they find a point to get to And that point is called praise. And I think we don't need to rush to praise. We need to go through that valley sometimes. But if we get through the valley on the other side of that, there is peace and joy and reflection and refreshment that we could not have received if we didn't go through the journey. I think what you just said reminded me very much of what C.S. Lewis, the book he wrote on grieving after he lost his wow. wife. Yeah. Very powerful, yeah. very powerful. And I think sometimes, too, and I think a lot of times we forget this, that, you know what, sometimes pain and grief, like you said, are, are, are to push us out of our comfort zone. Yeah. And, you know, I found that too, that sometimes angels come dressed in strange clothing. Wow. I you like know? that. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I had one person that was trying to run me off from a job one time Wow. and it made me mad mm-hmm. and it made me get busy and it made me change and get better at what I did. And yeah. at the end of the day, I got a note from her that said, you know what, you're a professional and I really love working with you <laughs> at the end of the day. But, you know, right. if I hadn't had that nudge, who knows, I never would have changed. That's right. And so I guess maybe that's one way we can look at 2016, like you said. Yeah, just, there are a lot of lessons to learn from this year yeah. and hopefully some things we won't repeat in, in 17. Yeah. Hey, then, Marshall, we have a call on the line. Oh, fantastic. Jimmy in Greenville. Hello, Jimmy. You've got a comment about prayer. How, what, what's your thoughts? Well, uh, the answer my opinion on whether or not prayer works, I think it depends on how we pray. Um, I think if we pray that God will be done, then everything will work. I mean, I look at God as being sort of like a, a father, you know, a kid sometimes ask for things they don't really need, or the father will look at it and see the outcome in the future if that kid gets that particular thing and that outcome might not be good. But if you ask God will be done, then it usually works. Yeah, that's that's a very, very, very uh smart way of looking at it. Uh, definitely. I've always I've always said, you know, you try to teach my children that God's not a genie. Mm-hmm. That you don't just sit there and rub the lamp and suddenly pops up something pops up. But you know if you can have the faith and you feel that love inside of you, you know what you can work toward achieving it. Yeah. Say the least. We're talking with the Reverend C.J. Rhodes. We're going to continue this discussion as well. And, of course, the question of the day is this. Do you believe that prayer works? And what are some examples you can share? You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, the holiday edition. Of course, uh, I will welcome any gift you'd like to give me. Of course, you've got about 20 minutes to get it here, so that'd be great. And I'll, of course, give you the same thing that I gave you last year. Great radio shows. And we have a great guest as well, and we'll get with him in just half a second. The Reverend C.J. Rhodes is with us. But we do have a question of the day. Do you believe that prayer works? And what are some of the examples that you can share with us? And, of course, you can call us at 877-MPB-RING. That is 877-672-7464. And we got Mary on the line, Mary from Braxton. Hello, Mary. How are you? Hello. Merry Christmas to you all. Well, Merry Christmas Merry to Christmas you, Merry Christmas to you. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that uh, I learned as a youngster was that uh, when you pray, you don't expect a yes every time. You don't expect a yes from your parents when you ask them questions, why should we think that God's often going to say yes to us? That prayer is an attitude to me, mm. that what I learned from praying is that I put myself in relationship to receive. That's a, I wow. love that. That's put, powerful. Yeah, that is. Put yeah. myself in a position to receive. That's right. Yeah, I like that. And I also think that... um Many times God's yes initially looks like a no because right. God's yes is for a greater something. And and because we're not omniscient, we don't know all of the other things that right. God knows. And so uh, a lot of times when we don't get what we prayed for is really sometimes protecting us from foolish decisions. Right. right. You know, um, most of us, have t- you talk about the genie in the bottle kind of thing. A lot of people have prayed for all kinds of things that, you know, years later with some retrospection, they say, I'm glad I didn't get that. Yeah, it sounds like a Garth Brooks song. You know, the unanswered <laughs> yeah. prayer thing, you know, when you yeah. when you get on Facebook and you stalk your one of your ex-girlfriends, you go, Ooh, I missed a bullet there. So, well, literally, some in some cases. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, literally. literally. Right. Now, I will say this. You did get a... a a text from one of your friends? Yeah. Um, Reginald Buckley, one of my good uh, friends and brothers, uh, uh, texted me and said that the uh, comment you made about angels being in disguise uh, is, is a great title. And we Baptist preachers love, we're always looking for catchy titles and phrases and stuff. So, And I said that's the first time a man of God has ever gotten an idea from me in <laughs> life. So I feel like, well, good. I've got a good Christmas going already. That's right. We talked a lot about this. Is there a right or wrong way to pray? Mm. Well, um, I would probably say tentatively, you know, yes, there's probably a right and wrong way to pray. But if by that we mean, you know, is there just only one position in which one can pray? I think I think the answer to that is no. There are multiple ways that we can pray. The Bible talks about praying without ceasing. And so it's not always talking to God or talking with God in various poses and positions. One of the things I talked about in yesterday's uh, message was how when Zechariah the father of John the Baptist was um, made silent by, by uh, Gabriel because of, of Zechariah's disbelief. I said, you know, sometimes silence is the best form of prayer. Uh, I remember being on a prayer retreat while in, in, in divinity school and for about 20 hours, we couldn't say anything. Oh, and wow. it was alarming for most of us. We had to, you know, surrender our cell phones. We couldn't open our mouths. We could, we could draw, we could paint, we could read, we could do all that, but we couldn't talk. And initially just, it seemed to be a stupid thing to do. But right before the breaking of silence, there was this flood of, of sort of information, if you will, uh, of, of my life and how dots are being connected in ways I never really could connect. And so, you know, one of the things I think a lot of us in the evangelical and Protestant world neglect is the space for silence as prayers, contemplation as prayer. And so I do think that is, you know, some people talk about how study is a form of prayer and worship is a form of prayer. So I think if we expand our understanding of prayer, we can discover a variety of ways that God speaks to us, uh, even when it's not always in an audible voice or just in the scriptural text. Looking, of course, we're in that time of year. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're in the, probably your busiest time of year because yeah. not only are you dealing with, of course, Christmas, but you also have the end of the fiscal year. And of course, right. At the end of the day, there's still church business to be headed to. <laughs> right, right. The sausage has to be made. But talk about that, because there's a lot of people right now that are sitting around 
maybe alone mm. or they're not feeling the joy of the season. How do we get people past or just stressed out because they, they have high expectations? They feel like mm. that everybody has to have the right toy or the right gift. How do you get people back on track and make them to understand what the reason the reason behind the season i know that's kind of a cliche but i mean to understand that about the joy and the peace that can be felt this time of year well i do think one of the things that we must attend to is the reality that there are a lot of folks who have you know winter blues christmas blues and that is that is very real and we shouldn't wash past that we ought to pay attention to the fact that there are people who've lost loved ones people who are grieving where they are at the end of the year financially emotionally spiritually and so we need to take that into into account and um, and help those persons grieve appropriately. I think the other thing that we must do is rescue this time from the crass materialism. You know, if we're very honest with ourselves, this you know, for a lot of people, this is not the season about Jesus. It's the season about getting a gift. You right. know? Yeah. And and um, you can end up going broke. You, you can have debt and all kinds of stuff trying to please people with the gifts you buy that, by the way, they may or may not use, you know, within three months of, of receiving the gift. And so I think one of the things we have to do is really in this cliche is remember the reason for the season, you know, not just the religious reasons, but also the reasons of community, of family, of friendships, of community and and and, and maybe not put so much emphasis on the buying and selling of gifts and so much emphasis on I got to make all of these Christmas parties and all of these, you know, spend some time enjoying the gift of life and the gift of community. That is a greater gift than anything we could purchase at Belk, right? right. Or wherever we, we're going to be shopping uh, for the season. Okay, Coach Bill Courtney was in the documentary Undefeated about West Manassas High School up in mm. Memphis, was on the show. And he said something to me that really resonated. He said, don't make your legacy about the stuff that will be sold for half off at a garage sale <laughs> after you die. Yeah. He said, make your legacy about the time that you spent with the people that you love. Absolutely. That, you know, if you think about the word evil, if you flip it around, it's the word live. Mm, mm. And if you truly live for others, that that's, yeah. I mean, that that's probably about as good a way that you can make Christmas Christmas again. Yeah. Um, David Brooks wrote a great book called the, um, the road to character. And it, he talks about the distinction between resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Yes. And a lot of us work so hard for the resume virtues. We want to buy stuff. We want to be liked. We want to be loved. But when you are having a funeral, the things that people are going to talk about aren't, man, I remember that great sweater you bought me for Christmas. It's going to be, I remember how you were present with and for me in tough times. And so we've got to live in such a way that we're always mindful of our mortality and how we live beyond that in the ways that we treat others. I think, you know, it's funny because I know my wife's not listening to the show right now. I can say this. (laughs) I think one of the things I'm thinking about giving her is Mm -hmm. a little basket. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's not going to know what it's for, but what it's for is when I get home, I put my phone in the basket. Ah, oh, wow. Yeah, I think that would be a, a nice gift. Absolutely. So, Just a thought. We do have some callers on the line. we got Robert and Jackson. Robert, what are your thoughts about prayer? Um, I just <clears throat> I just had a comment on prayer. When I was a teenager growing up, I was always seeking to hear God in in, in words, and since I didn't hear him, I was disturbed. Mm. As I've gotten older, I realize that I do not hear God, I feel God. Wow, yeah. And he comes to me um, in in prayer as I not listen so much for words as to seek to feel God and what God wants. And it has helped me so much uh, because I like the old saying that the secret of living is learning to pray and mm. learning to pray is in my, in my case has been in learning to feel God and the answer comes in that way for me. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's true. Cause I always said yeah. that Moses had it lucky cause he had a burning bush, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, we never get that. Sometimes. I love that. You know, yeah. I think, I think we've got to learn that God communicates to us in a multi-sensory way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's through, you know, audible, but, but you know, other ways. And so I think that's a very powerful point that he raised. Very powerful. We've yeah. got Patty and Jackson and what are your thoughts on prayer? 
Um, good morning. Thank Hi. you. Good morning, Reverend C.J. Rose. This is Patty Patterson. Good morning. Um, great topic. Um, we've had just some things happen, tragic things happen over this weekend in our city. And um, mm. can you just speak to that? How do we, you know, we, we got to get past our own feelings and just embrace others. But when you have what just happened in our city and um, the three homicides on people that we know, can you help us through that? Just, um, just, just get us through this little moment today, especially as we think about those that um, we lost dear to our community and other communities as well, um, whether it's, homicide, fires, um, death, unexpected death. Do we do visuals? How do we do silent visuals? Mm. That's my point. And I'll hang up and because um, I'm just hurting right now as I drive through the city. Yeah. Can you just speak to these prayer silent visuals, individual visuals that we can do? Thank yeah. You. Wow. Thank you so much. That's a great question. I, I don't know if we have the time to really unpack all of that. One of the things that I just kind of thought about as you were as you were hanging up is the ways in which we can be prayerful and mindful as we travel throughout the city. Right. So many times we're trying to get from one point to another point just to, you know, get from our house to our job or whatnot. But as we drive through the city, we ought to be praying and being um, mindful and, and, and opening our eyes. Okay, Lord, show me what's going on in this city, right? As we drive to certain neighborhoods, we see dilapidation, we see hopelessness and helplessness and, and, and be prayerful in that way. I think organized visuals are very important. They, they help us, you know, through moments of grieving. Um, but I, I'll be honest, I think it's going to take more than just those moments of vigils in response to a, a tragedy. Um, if we, especially those of us who, who claim to be people of faith, we've got to take a, that faith beyond the church and beyond Sunday morning or Saturday morning and, and move throughout the city in a very prayerful way. And then um, in a very prayerful way, connect our, our faith with works and begin to figure out how we can also be answers to prayers for those persons who are helpless and hopeless and hurting. How can we be the miracle that someone is waiting to receive from the Lord? Yeah. I've always said, if you can take care of the world, that's right around you. Yeah. If everybody did that at the same time, it would literally change the world overnight. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely on that. But that was tough. I mean, the, the, of course there were three men shot at a pawn shop over the yeah. weekend. And you see news stories like that. Sometimes you're like, how can evil like that exist in the world? Yeah. And um, one of the sad things about that is, and, and, and this is something that may be a little controversial. One of the, one of the dangers is that we've not recognized that a lot of the problems we face in a Jackson or wherever in Mississippi are not just material, economic, political they are deeper than that. They are spiritual. And the reason why people cry out through violence is not just because of the lack of jobs, though that is a part of the problem. Right. There's something else going on in which persons are crying out. And so those of us who are um, spiritual, spiritually sensitive need to figure out how do we put that in the equation? You know, you can't necessarily vote on that or not. But um, a lot of what we see around the season, we see these these murders and whatnot. One of the things that grieves me is that we're not really having the conversation about how we bring healing and wholeness to persons who are both the perpetrator and the victim. Right. And without doing that, we end up sort of giving ourselves over to the terror of that. Because if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of people are living in terror, not just the trauma of what happens, but, you know, especially our elderly uh, community. They they're like, like, they can't go to yeah, the, I can't even to go the to the bathroom, yeah. you know, let alone to the mailbox. And so. I think we've got to do a better job of attending to those deeper cries. You touched on spiritual and a lot of people, some people say they're spiritual, but not religious. Is there a difference between the two? Um, yes and no. You know, I think what people are saying there is that um, they're, what they're doing is arguing about the worst of religion and right. saying, I'm not that. So I believe in God. I believe in prayer. I believe in spirituality, but I want to do it on my own terms. So I don't have to go to church to do that or not. But I don't think that one can necessarily be deeply religious without being spiritual. And if we're very honest, even the spiritual but not religious folk have religion, right? Because at some point, religion includes rituals. Right. And so if you're like doing whatever, you know, praying or talking to the universe or whatever you're doing, you've got a ritual. Same thing like brushing your teeth every day. It may seem mundane, but it's, it is a ritual. And so I do think we need to challenge the worst of of religion, 
But we also need to recognize that uh, there are great beauties in religion and that the best religious experiences are deeply spiritual, but not just spiritual, right? They're embodied spirituality, at least for those of us who are Christian. Um, when we think about Christmas, it's about the incarnation of, of God, right. that God doesn't throw our bodies and our world away. And so when we talk about being spiritual, we have to, you know, yes, there's a, a, an immaterial part of us, but there's also the stuff you can see, taste and touch. And a deep spirituality attends to all of that in ways that provide a certain kind of rhythm to one's life. You know, I, I've always found I'm a prayer in, prayer in the closet kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't usually sit and talk about it too openly, <laughs> but I've always found that, of course, it's a big part of my life quietly. Mm-hmm. But also, too, when you are part of a, a congregation or if you're in a synagogue or your church, whatever, the community is always to me is always one of the strongest parts. Yeah. Is that sense of community. Whenever you need somebody, there is a group of people that are there to help lift you up. Yeah. Because I think we forget sometimes that this world isn't just about us. Absolutely. I think you're so right. And the other thing about that, and I, and I think one of the dangers of, of, of spirituality, one of the negatives that can happen is that it does seem so individualized and, and um, there has to be a space and place for a community. But I also think one of the things that makes quote unquote religion bad is when folks come into community, but they've not done their individual work. Right. Right. So if you're going to come to church to pray, you need to have been praying before you got to church. If you're going to come to church to worship God, you need to worship God before you get to church. Just don't make it about Sunday. Yeah. Don't make it just about Sunday because one of the worst things to experience, and I know this as a pastor, is to come to church on Sunday and it's like, we could have stayed at home for this. You right. know? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, one of the Psalms says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. We've got to come with a sense of expectancy, which means we've done our work in right. private. We're talking with the Reverend C.J. Rhodes about oh, all kinds of good things. Of course, obviously, Christmas is coming up. I know you've already got your sermon written, right? I know where I'm going. Okay, there you go. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, what do you think today is? It isn't the 24th. Yeah, I just got through through a Sunday's message. You exactly. Know, so I got to put that away and then move on to... This is my day off. Let me enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. But talk about that a little bit. I know as a speaker, sometimes you're sitting there going, I'm losing the audience. I'm losing the audience. Have you ever had that moment when you're looking out and you can see everybody's eyes glazing over? You're like, okay, yeah. do you have an air horn that's underneath there that you can do or something just to get everybody back? <laughs> you know, one of the toughest things for me is I, I end up preaching and speaking in multiple kinds of audiences. Yeah. And so I end up, I, I can, I can, for instance, I, I, know, I shouldn't say this. I may have one message that I may preach in different contexts and the same message in one context will just get these sort of blank faces. And then people come up afterwards that, wow, that was such a wonderful message. Yeah. And then another context, it feels like falling over the pews and it's like, you just, and so it's weird for me because you just don't, you just don't know how to move between spaces. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's often tough. And one of the things, and this may be a bit transparent, but one of the things as a pastor um, is that you spend, you know, several hours um, studying, praying, reading, trying to put all this together, you know, ordering it in a way that's understandable, has a flow. And then when you're done, you feel like, I wonder if that meant anything to anybody. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And you know what? Probably at the end of the day, it did. It yeah. did. We got Linda up in Port Gibson, who's got a, well, down in Port Gibson, or somewhere in Port Gibson. They've got a comment about prayers. Hello, Linda. How are you? Hi. Uh, I call uh, quite frequently. Uh, I uh, know that prayer works because I was born uh, with a heart condition and uh legally blind, and I was told that I would live not more than five years, and I'm uh, 58 mm. now. Wow. That's... And uh, I've gone to college, and uh, uh, through the support of my parents, not, the, not uh, you know, people, um, I was able to get a, a job in the federal government for 17 years and computer programmer analyst and uh, and but you know growing up that was an impossibility for me you know so I know that prayer works and you know uh, I had to look beyond my disability to get what I wanted mm. yeah very powerful, Linda. Thank you so much. I'm glad you, that's that's incredible. Yeah. 
Well, any parting thoughts in this Christmas season as we get ready for 2017? (laughs) Well, I hope that by now many of us have already started to reflect on what we've gone through in this year and what, by God's grace, we expect to encounter in 17. And I would say enter 17 with expectancy, with a sense of, um, you know, God moments can happen all around us and through us and because of uh, of our involvement in God's um, redemptive plan. And uh, the other thing I would say is as we prepare for the Christmas holiday, which will be coming up on Sunday, as cliche as it is, let us be mindful of, of the deeper meaning and significance of this of this of this time and season. I think our uh, more liturgical brothers and sisters in the Catholic, Orthodox, Methodist, Lutheran churches have have a great way of ordering the year, mm-hmm. beginning at Advent and going through Pentecost Sunday and beyond. If we begin to think about those movements of, 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 of the year, that is not just Christmas, but this time of expectation. And then, you know, we move uh, later on into Lent and a time of, of, of thinking seriously about about ourselves in relationship to God's suffering and, and, and whatnot. If we begin to think in a broader way about God's story and our place in it, I think it will help us weather any storm and walk uprightly in any situation and begin to recognize the things that are praiseworthy. As much as things can go awry, there are a lot of beautiful things out there that God is doing all around us. God's miracles are everywhere, and we're part of that. Reverend Rosa, what a great way to wrap up 2016. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for inviting me back. I appreciate it. I look forward to having you back on again. I want to thank Sharita for producing the show, of course, and doing a great job. And I want to thank you for listening. You have made 2016 a fantastic year, and I appreciate you being part of the show. And we look forward to 2017. We've got several great shows lined up for you as well. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and we will talk to you soon.